This episode was made with the support of justiceinfo.net. Kosovo has still a bit of a ways to go to get to some place where they, this, these things can be discussed in a healthy way in public. Justice plays an important role. I consider this tribunal a false tribunal and indictments false indictments. Such abhorrent crimes must not go unpunished. Proceedings will be long and complex. All rise. Remember how we did a podcast uh, about what we called the zombie court in May? Oh, yes, I know. You mean the Kosovo Tribunal. What's its official name? It's the Kosovo Specialist Chambers. And uh, we were talking in May about how it's finally gearing up to do something. Well, last week it did all that and then some. They had uh, three arrests in three days. It's full steam ahead. Yeah, I noticed um, it apparently is the most exciting court around uh, because everybody gets very excited when there's some arrests. But I'm still, you know, I don't know a lot about who the people are who've been arrested, etc., etc. What's what's happening now? Uh, we had the first, so we're recording this on Monday, and we had the first initial appearance today of Sally Mustafa, which was a lot of work for us in The Hague today, but it's also a lot of interesting things going on in Kosovo. Okay, so we're going to go on the ground in Kosovo um, and see from the perspective on the ground there in Pristina what uh, people are thinking about it. I think you've managed to find an old mate of yours, uh, Kosovo journalist Una Hajari. Una, are you there? Hi. Yeah, Una and I go way back. Uh, between me and my husband, we gave Una her first journalism job. So it's wonderful to see to me how she's making a great career of herself and is almost too fancy for us. Unfortunately, because of our long ties, she's loyal enough to make time and come on the show for us and talk to us. That's not true, Stephanie. I mean, I would gladly speak to either you or Yost about anything. And yeah, I would probably not be in journalism today if it wasn't for Stephanie and Yost. Well, Una, just um, treat me gently, please. I'm not the Kosovo expert, um, so I need you to explain to me how this wave of arrests has been seen. I mean, I assume that it's front page news. I assume it's a big splash. Well, it's a really big deal, as Stephanie knows, and anyone who's been covering this issue um, for a while now the court was set up around five years ago. And since it's since right before it was set up and all the way up until today, people have been waiting for them, for the court to do, um, to actually take some concrete steps towards, you know, starting the cases, um, issuing its their first um, arrest warrants and indictments and so on and so forth. So for, for, for the big part of these five years, um, it was really hard to get anything from the court. So the first indictments um, were confirmed last week. Um, just to back up a little bit on to, like, to explain the background of the court, um, I believe Stephanie is just as capable of doing that, but since you asked me first, it's, it's unlike, um, I guess, other tribunals, it is, which it is compared to often, it is actually a Kosovo court. It's um, a court that was set up within the judicial legal framework of Kosovo. So technically it is a local, I mean, it would be considered a local court, except it exists outside the country, uh, functions in The Hague, and is is financed by the EU. Um, and the court has a very specific mandate. It is uh, will cover um, war crimes and crimes against humanity committed um, within uh, a certain time period of the war um, in Kosovo 
and also um, involves the Kosovo Liberation Army, which was, for all intents and purposes, the um, main uh, force that was fighting in Kosovo on the side of the the Kosovo Albanians. Um, I think that's that without getting into too much um, stuff. And yeah, it's definitely been headline news. So, well, I suppose what I'm I'm asking when I'm asked where, how it's been received, these arrests, is is the country really split politically between those who think the court's a good thing and those who think it's a bad thing and therefore any arrests and things like that are just taken as, as part of that? Or is there a more, more general discussion around what it really means? I think people aren't really split, but... Uh, in fact, um, overwhelmingly, one could say that the court was not well received from the moment it was set up up until now. Um, the Kosovo side believes that um, there is no need for the war crimes committed by the Kosovo Liberation Army to be prosecuted at all um, because they were fighting an aggressor, quote unquote. Um, and so uh, people don't believe that it is necessary to... Um, have these trials at all. And when the first arrest happened last week, which was done in a very specific manner, um, the court didn't issue the indictment um, before the arrests. They uh, sent out a press release in the morning that uh, indicating that they had arrested uh, Salih Mustafa and were taking him to The Hague. And the indictment was issued much later, which also, I guess, is done for the specific reason that people in Kosovo would react badly to it. And if you look at the arrests, they were done in a very specific way. And there was a lot of... um kind of confusion about it at first, who arrested whom and, and how they could arrest them. Yeah. Was that also a big surprise in Kosovo that they actually had a police force that would arrest these people? Of course it was, because it was highly likely that the local police force, um, the, let's say the one that would act on the basis of warrants issued by the local prosecution, uh, the one based in Pristina and other parts of the country, would have a difficult time arresting these people who were all, many of which are sort of high profile members of the Kosovo Liberation Army, uh, considered by many people to be war heroes or hold significant political positions in the country now. And um, when the arrest happened, it wasn't entirely clear. Some reports um, indicated that there were representatives of the specialized chambers who were there. And then other reports indicated that uh, it was entirely done by the ULEX police. But yeah, and and again, they um they this is done in order to prevent um, any sort of interference um, on the ground. So you talk about the people, the kind of people they would arrest, and that they're usually uh, at least uh, well-known former KLA officers or pretty high up in the political chain. Now, Sali Mustafa for me is not a person that I click on as a for you know. A, is was he well known, or did they start with relatively small fry and are maybe working their way up to the bigger fish? What do you think? Well, obviously, um, there are a handful of figures that are known by people who follow um, the situation in the Balkans in general. People like the sitting president Hashim Thaci, um, people like Agim Cheku, who actually testified today as well. Um, it. Uh, uh, it and so these people, uh, I can take with part of me, used to be the prime minister um, of the country from 2006 until 2008. So those are the very big fish. Um, and Salim Mustafa would be like a middle range fish. He was a commander in, a, in an important area in, the coast, in Kosovo, this um, uh, northeastern um, part of uh, the country, the Lapi zone or Lapska zona. Um, and he was someone who, according to the um, indictment, 
was someone who um, oversaw these camps or detention centers where um, civilians were held against their will and tortured and so on and so forth. So he's not a very small fish. There are smaller fish they could have gone for, but um, yeah. And I understand that also one of the arrests is to do with the Veterans Association, the head of the Veterans Association, and is also tied up with uh, what we knew previously about some documents from the chambers, the Kosovo chambers, that maybe the Veterans Association has just disentangle that for me, Una. Um, so the Veterans Association it represents all the veterans of the of the Coastal Liberation Army. Um, they represent their political and financial interests. I mean, in, in terms of veterans' pensions and other benefits that they get. Um, and um, earlier this year, when the specialized prosecution, and I might get it wrong and say special prosecution, but your listeners, I feel, will know that you two are slightly <laughs> way more capable than I am um, to talk about legal issues. Um, they issued a press release indicating that uh, an indictment was in the works for that involved um, former head of the parliament, the head of the biggest party in the country, and the sitting president, Hashim Thachi. And from that moment onwards, the veteran, veterans have been, been very vocal in their opposition to the court. Um, and several, a couple of weeks ago, they started um, sending around documents that contained the alleged names of protected witnesses, um, it, just internal documents that they had claimed gotten from, from an anonymous source um, and wanted to spread it around to sort of, I guess, in their words, show the Kosovo public that all of this was a sham, um, as well as evidently uh, intimidate people out of either testifying or being involved with the court in another capacity. And their, uh, so they're Hisni Gutsati and Nasim Haradinai, so that's the head of the association and his deputy, they were arrested last week Friday, when uh, not uh, due to confirmed indictments, as was the case with Sali Mustafa, who was the first person who was arrested, but because they had participated in witness intimidation and uh, sort of impeded the, the judicial process. And I saw a, a very curious thing also out of the courts related to that, suggesting that the court was thanking journalists in Kosovo for being really good about how they'd handled this whole issue, so, which suggests to me that um, there have been really some degree of restraint from people trying not to also be involved with um, any issue of protected witnesses. Yeah, the great thing was that I guess the association expected the journalists to jump on this because, um, you know, and to like either go into the backgrounds of the protected witnesses, um, make these documents widely available. At this point, they're not widely available. I Perhaps not now, but up until right before they arrested, I were arrested. I could have contacted as a journalist the head of the association and asked for the documents, which I haven't done, and and I believe many of my colleagues haven't done, and and that's actually one of the one of the few things that I was really happy about last week. Um, went with all this. So yeah, they didn't really buy into their story immediately in the way that the Veterans Association expected. And I just briefly like to say the Veterans Association believe that everyone agrees with their uh, opinion unequivocally and that they don't want the court to exist and they would jump at the chance to sort of um, demand, um, impede its work in any way. But I was also surprised that these documents were floating and, and the journalists didn't jump on it. And it's not to badmouth uh, Kosovo-Albanian journalists, but there's almost nothing in Kosovo that stays secret. And this is the kind of thing that regularly gets published. So I must say that I was also kind of surprised. Does that mean also that there's maybe a change in 
the attitude towards the court from the media? I would actually say that it relates directly to the fact that the court has done has done a lot of sort of preparation with journalists in the country. Um, so I myself participated in various briefing sessions with um, their press people, but also off the record sort of briefings um, with members of the court who were dealing with various aspects of it, such as the um, restitution for victims or the participation of victims and so on and so forth. And I think that sort of had an effect, as well as the fact that the Journalists Association in Kosovo has gotten, and other regulatory bodies, have gotten much better at sanctioning um, unprofessional behavior. And really, I mean, revealing the name of a witness is right up there. A protective witness in a war crimes trial is right up there. So I think all of that had a bit of an influence on it, yeah. Um, this is all related also to the bigger picture of uh, witness intimidation, which um, we've, I think Stephanie in particular, has covered uh, over the years in various trials in The Hague. And the reason why this court was set up separately in The Hague, um, is it just because Kosovo's such a tiny little space? Is, is that why there's this big issue? Partly that, definitely, because people within the KLA would definitely know who could have possibly been either witness to certain activities or lived in a certain region and have um, witnessed that indirectly or, or in any other way that could benefit the investigation done by the pros- by the prosecution and others. Um, so that's that. But there's also this whole aspect of, um, unlike many Western Balkan countries or what people usually refer to as former Yugoslav countries, I think that Kosovo has done, the Kosovo public has done the least, or gone, not, gone the least far. Stephanie is an editor. She's going to be like, no, that's not a word. You can't say that. Not a phrase. You can't say that. Um, but I'm not here in my editing progress. capacity. So you can say yeah. however so you made want. The least, the least progress in, they made, made the least progress in sort of coming to terms with some of the aspects of the war um, or the conflict, as it's referred to more, um, in the late in the in the 19, late nineteen nineties, um, which means that people you can still even without significant sort of pressure you can still discourage people from uh, participating in, in the proceedings in any way because it is uh, Kosovo Albanians see themselves as the ultimate victims um, and people who are completely unable of committing crimes, unable to commit crimes. And then, so, so those are the two elements that, 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 um, I think are combined in this, in this situation. And so does the, the fact that this court is now finally doing things and issuing indictments and, and basically the indictments are, uh, at least for Salih Mustafa, it's pretty detailed about when and where things happened. Does that mean also that it's kind of helping KLA crimes to be discussed in Kosovo, or is it still a non-taboo subject? Well, sadly, and Stephanie, this hasn't changed since you were intensely covering this on the ground. Um, people might not have a problem with with certain political leaders who might have um, reaped the benefit of a post-conflict society financially, um, seeing sort of the inside of a courtroom, um, sort of being prosecuted for their uh, kleptocratic, corrupt behavior, nepotistic hiring practices, whatever it is, I still don't think that we have a widespread realization in Kosovo that people who participated in the KLA um, need to be held accountable for the way they treated civilians who are not directly part of the conflict. And this is, obviously, overtures have been made um, in this direction, even Thachi, when uh, the specialized prosecution 
um, or specialist prosecution, um, issued the press release indicating that there would be an indictment. He had a speech about this, reacting to all that and saying that, you know, he would accept justice and individuals, only individuals, uh, not the KLA, should face justice. But I don't, I'm not seeing it on the ground. And when we talk about Thatcher, he's been in power more or less since 99 uh, in different guises. Um, is there also maybe an aspect too that people are ready to get rid of the kind of political elite and then this court is is a good way to potentially get rid of Thatcher? Or is it still too much of a, we don't want to blame the KLA, they gave us our freedom? Does it does it make things, people reckon with it more? I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I'm, I'm sorry to say, I mean, um, that's not to say that people won't individually say, sure, there were elements of the KLA that, sh- you know, that shouldn't have existed or that went too far. But um, while that I think is a trend, as Stefan knows very well, in the entire region, Kosovo has still a bit of a ways to go to get to some place where they, this, these things can be discussed in a healthy way in public. I know there was a big kind of counter uh, organization when it just started with the Kosovo court where they were getting uh, attention for Kosovo rape victims as a kind of counterpoint. Is that still going on, that push to to uh, get uh, rape victims to come forward and have trials for that? And that, that's, that in that case, it's, it's mostly Kosovo Albanian women who were raped by Serb forces. So that's a kind of counterbalance idea. Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely being discussed. I'm not sure that it's gone anywhere. Uh, at this point, that will be taken over, um, if not, I'm not mistaken, would be taken over by the Kosovo uh, court system um, if, if those pe- people would be prosecuted. Um, the thing being that um, there are problems, as you know, Stephanie, with extraditing people to Kosovo to get them tried, especially if they're in Serbia, um, where there isn't any sort of extradition treaty or <laughs> that ha- isn't on the table at all. So if that were to ever happen, I think it would, would need to go through the um, EU-facilitated dialogue between the two countries, sort of an agreement on that, which is very weird because it's a judicial process that shouldn't be depend on political decisions. Um, but yeah, people talk about it often as a counter counterpoint or a counterweight. Um, if it, So if you want to you know, put... Uh, Kosovo-Albanian fighters on trial, then you should also take a serious stab at this issue of rape victims um, that, you know, that were the, the p- women who have not seen any form of justice or any acknowledgement, actually, since the war. Thanks so much, uh, Una, for um, explaining uh, some of the details to for somebody la- like me. Um, but you're here on asymmetrical haircuts, as many of our other contributors have been and we always try to ask some uh, general questions to people as well after you've shown off your expertise um here's a horrible one for you which is uh, do you have a failure that you would like uh, to tell us all about and how you learned from it oh my god this is this is like a like a work interview in the united states um yeah, well, this was uh, we first asked something else, like what do people always get wrong about you? But then we thought, in the in the uh, spirit of embracing your failures and that nobody gets to where they are without messing up big time, at some point we would ask our successful guests what their failures were. I don't know. I think my failure would be um, sort of not taking the time to um, follow through on some stories that I thought were important um, or interesting or something. 
Um, oftentimes, as Stephanie knows, the news cycle in the Balkans um, sort of gets you carried, you know, carries you from one topic to the other really quickly, and you can sort of don't have the time to stick to some stories. And then, um, oftentimes, when I see um, colleagues who aren't focused on the region or who don't specialize in certain topics in the region covering them, then I always feel like, oh, I could have done that so well, or could have tried to do it better, or something like that. I feel like that. I mean, all my failures are connected to my um, my career, and um, I, like Stephanie and um, Yost, another journalist um, we know, am very much committed to journalism 24-7, so that's all I can think of right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, other big question we have is, what didn't we ask you about this t- subject, but you think we should have? Actually, there's one thing that I think is really interesting about the way this court is um, uh, sort of involving witnesses. Not involving witnesses, but what the restitution process will look like. So, um, as you know, a lot of uh, work was done to by both um, the the powers that be that set up the court. No, but the European Union and others who were involved in setting up the court to emphasize the fact that this was a court... um, dealing with the individual responsibility of certain um, certain people who might have been um, KLA fighters or others who might have been part of these crimes. Um, and I was really interested to learn um, in one of the briefings that we had earlier this year that the restitution process, um, if a victim applies um, for restitution and the court deems it um, valid, then the um, if if there were to be a, a financial um yeah, a sum that they would get to sort of, um, what's the word for it? Settlement. Um, yeah, 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 a settlement. Um, the, the money would be taken or whatever would be taken from the personal assets of the defendant, not from the Kosovo government. So the government wouldn't be responsible for this restitution. It would be the individual's um, here and I think that's brilliant because a lot of these people who are involved, um, the, the big fish, the so-called big fish, are actually some of the wealthiest people in Kosovo um, because they try to use sort of the glory of the war and everything to uh, make it legitimate for them to take over big industries that are being uh, privatized after socialism, after the fall of socialism in the region, um, and all that. And so a lot of them are filthy rich and. If they're going to be the ones who are going to personally pay for the restitution, I feel that that could actually project, could affect not only um, the judicial processes that have been left unfinished, sort of wrapping them up, but also affect Kosovo as a country because it would strip all these powerful people of a lot of the money that they use to control, you know, various parts of the country. So I think that's brilliant. That was my favorite part of it, if I correctly interpreted it. And I feel like I have because I took extensive notes and have looked it up afterwards several times. <laughs> but that, that I feel is really interesting. And our final question is, is there anything that you're reading at the moment, anything that you're watching, anything that you're listening to that you'd like to recommend? Ooh. And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be Balkans related, but it's always welcome if it is and... People recommend sure. all kinds of stuff. Um, sure. I'm uh, I'm listening to a podcast I recently got involved in called Sorry of a Calling, so I invite everyone to listen to that. Um, it's basically two of my uh, good friends who ramble on about the specifics of certain Balkan events um, or other things related to the Balkans, so I think that's interesting. Um so I just literally plugged another podcast on your podcast. I'm That's terrible. okay. Um, I love that podcast too when I listen to okay, it religiously. Cool, 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 cool. 
And so that that's also fun, I think. And um, what am I reading? I think I'm reading something on um, uh, sort of or late 19th century. But I'm reading up online, not in a book. I can't remember the last time I sat down and read a book for fun. Um, but reading up on like sort of late 19th century um, developments in the Balkans. Oh, wow. Very, uh, very, very I can, I can on brand reckon... you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes, always, obviously. Um, yeah. Great. Well, thank you very much, uh, Una, for spending the time uh, on this uh, busy day catching up with us and uh, filling in some of the blanks for us. Thank you again for having me. I hope I was able to shed a bit of light on all this. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very nice not to be Stephopedia, but to have Unopedia for Kosovo. I miss, miss having you around, to be honest. Um, but I love listening to the podcast and was very glad to be part of it. Super. This podcast was created and presented by Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. It is published in partnership with justiceinfo.net. You can find show notes and additional blogs on asymmetricalhaircuts.com. It is recorded in the Hague Humanity Hub, home to a community of innovators in the field of peace, justice, development and humanitarian action. Music is by audionautics.com and the show is available on every major podcast service, so please subscribe give us a rating and spread the word.